0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and unpack the greatest teen show from the early
1: 2000s unpack That's a really interesting choice of words, Caitlin.
0: I'm trying to switch it up.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, in particular, that is a very good word to use, because some of the shit that happens in this episode, oh, (laughs) jeez, I cannot wait. Yes, for sure. This week, we are discussing the games that play us, the 22nd episode, and season fucking finale... (laughs) <laughs> of season one, which was written by the creator of the show, directed by Greg Prage, and originally aired on May 11th, 2004.
0: And we wanted to give you a reminder to send us emails for our recap episode. Send them to us by March 23rd. They can be about anything at all. You could critique our thoughts. You could share your opinions about the season as a whole, or our podcast, questions that you have... About our production process, questions about shows that we watch, anything.
1: It just gives us an opportunity to hear more from the listeners. So we want this um, Season 1 recap to be very interactive. We have a few emails saved already, and we're just really looking forward to hearing from all of you. Just like we are looking forward to hearing from some of these reviews that we receive on Apple Podcasts. Ooh. This review from Airhead has the headline, Fun for Literature Lovers, and the text for the review says, This podcast is wonderful. I'm having a blast learning about One Tree Hill, and I am especially enjoying the literary analysis and the music reviews. The hosts are friendly, knowledgeable, and dynamic. The spoiler-free and fully spoiled segments allow for newcomers and veterans alike to get something from each episode. 12 out of 10, We'll always and forever listen to this pod. That was so nice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the headline is fun for literature lovers. So I'm just saying, like, that's that's you, Caitlin. There hasn't been a literature analysis in a while, unfortunately. I know. There hasn't been any
0: recently. That was, like, the first half of the season. But I'm really glad someone is appreciating the literature analyses.
1: Because you do good work on that. What can I say?
0: Why, thank you, Jeremy. And we got a 12 out of 10 on this review also. <laughs>
1: like that's I know. something. <laughs> what is that? I mean, unfortunately with Apple Podcasts the highest score you can give is 5 out of 5, but I'm just saying like if you want to give us a higher score, feel free to just leave the review in the comments. Yes. 15 out of 10, whatever you want to do. But yes, this is just a reminder though. Uh please 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 leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's the easiest way to support us. It helps other One Street Hill fans, both new and old, find us, and it, it makes us feel a little bit good, too. What can we say? Because we will also read some of your reviews on the show, and we are very, very appreciative of it. I know we make jokes about how it's stroking our egos a little <laughs> bit, but it, it really, we really do genuinely appreciate reading some of these reviews. It really, really makes us feel wonderful.
0: I know. They make me smile, so please send them yes. our way. <laughs> As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion.
1: Somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: The playoffs are here and Ravenshoops.com is live streaming the whole game.
1: During the game, a fight breaks out amongst the teams and Lucas's arm is injured again. Dan pressures him to play anyway, and the Ravens end up losing because of Lucas' missed shot. And of course, Dan screams at the whole team in the locker room after.
0: In other Dan-related news, he reveals to Deb that he was going to leave her for Karen back in college, but Deb told him she was pregnant, so he decided to stay with her instead.
1: In a tender moment where Deb and Keith reminisce about the past and their failed relationships, they sleep together, and Dan walks in after the fact.
0: Keith rushes to Dan's beach house to apologize, and Dan tells him that he's no longer his brother anymore.
1: In other news, Brooke meets Nikki at a bar and promises to find out for Peyton where Jake and Shetty went.
0: We're led to believe that Brooke is stabbing Peyton in the back, but in the end, it turns out Brooke was working with Peyton to mislead Nikki, who heads to Seattle instead of Savannah, thanks to Brooke's lie.
1: It looks like Brooke and Peyton are best friends again.
0: Nathan apologizes to Haley about the photos of Peyton she found on his computer, and they kiss and make up in the rain.
1: Nathan and Haley mysteriously talk about doing something later in the night. Could they finally be having sex? It remains a mystery for now.
0: Lucas prepares to leave Tree Hill and tells Haley that he's leaving the next day, which makes her really upset.
1: Lucas says goodbye to Whitey and thanks him for everything. He also meets Nathan at the River Court, where they hug and call each other brothers. Aww.
0: In the final moments of the episode, Dan is about to sign the divorce papers and has a heart attack. Deb finds him on the floor and he manages to whisper, Better hope
1: I die. On Lucas's way out of Tree Hill, he leaves a note behind for Brooke and Peyton and stops at Nathan's to say goodbye to Haley, where he finds out that Haley and Nathan got fucking married. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> I have no words. I'm I have I have zero words for all of this, but let's let's just go. <laughs>
0: Really concerned looking out for a group of ravens, I'm Caitlin Illinich.
1: And suspended my disbelief to believe that two 16-year-olds got fucking married, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> I know we try to do our intros like as if we were in the episode ourselves, but this one I just had to speak my truth. I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to hold that conversation. I know. I feel like it's a conversation bit. that like our listeners are waiting for. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to say, honestly.
1: We're going to figure it out. It's okay. We got this. So
0: today's episode is named after the Blackout song, The Games That Play Us. What were your
1: thoughts about the song, Jeremy? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the sod has the most... um. It doesn't have the strongest connections in the episode. But what I did say, and this could be reaching a little bit. Um, so the song is three minutes and 15 seconds long. And there are absolutely no lyrics until two minutes and 31 seconds. So the way I was thinking, like, I was listening to the song thinking, like, oh, wow, there there aren't going to be any lyrics to this song. This is interesting. And then it's like, boom, they played us. There are lyrics. <laughs> So in a way, the song is the game that played us, just like just like there's games being played in this episode, both the basketball game and you know manipulation games here and there, like Brooke and Nikki and so on and so forth. Oh my gosh, Dan
0: and Dub, oh, there's just so many games going on. You're right. Yep. And I feel like I'm really reaching with my analysis, also. <laughs> so the lyrics are very short, and there's the last line was. But she can't free you if you lock that door. And I, I think it's reaching a lot. But basically, a lot of these characters, different doors are kind of opening for them. Like Keith and Lucas are going off to Charleston and like basically starting a new life. And then we have Nathan and Haley who just got married. So there, there's a whole new storyline coming with that as well. You could say that about a lot of the characters, but those are like the two main pairs, I would say, that it might relate to. Oh, hell yes.
1: The song was actually, I actually kind of like the song, to be honest with you. I know we're trying to like, you know, we're talking about the connection to the episode and whatnot, but I actually thought it was a pretty good song, to be honest with you. What did you think? Did you like it? Or?
0: No, it wasn't my cup of tea.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to the blackout. <laughs> There wasn't much to
0: it, and I didn't really know what to make of it, and I'm not a huge fan yeah. of just, like, mostly intruma- instrumental songs.
1: I got you. I was kind of feeling the vibe. I was tra- like, I w- I was li- really hoping that it was going to be, like, a song that was just straight-up instrumentals, and then we could be like, oh, God, this will be cool. We could talk about the instruments and, like, how they match up with the song, but, like, oh, then they had to fuck us over and have lyrics. They played us. They played us. They played us. Played us. They, they really were. did. <laughs> But let's talk about somebody who did not play us. One of our listeners, Marielle, Marielle sent us a lovely email, and Marielle, she had a lot of she had a lot of great comments, um, and we're going to address them as we get through the episode. But we're going to kick this off by reading the entire email, and then we're going to talk on the, each topic as we get to it. Marielle writes, "Hello, the rain scene with Nathan Haley is iconic, and I will always love that scene." Side note, that scene, the show, and other teen dramas of that time really messed up my view of what love was. What do y'all think? Also, it might start getting redundant, but I think more attention needs to focus on the lack of diversity on the show. It seems like writers try to add racial diversity in the later seasons. And Mary, I'll put parentheses character names that have a little bit of racial diversity, but we're going to nix that because I don't want to spoil anything. But it's short-lived, and skills is the only constant quote-unquote token. Rewatching the show now really made me realize how much the whiteness and lack of body diversity on this show affected me growing up as an asian american love you all we love you too
0: that was a really awesome email and i can't wait to discuss both of these
1: yes it is because yeah there's a lot in particular i have a lot to say about the lack of diversity on this because there's one very problematic thing that i noticed immediately during this watch and looking forward to discussing that But first things first, let's talk about the structure of this episode with the flashbacks around. What do you think of this?
0: What is going on half the time?
1: I I hate it.
0: (laughs) I get what they were trying to do. They had the game, the playoff game. They kept coming back to that. Like, that was what was currently going on. Their intention was like, that was almost the background of the episode. And then these flashbacks just kind of kept coming in, but it was done really like strangely, I thought. Yeah. It kind of messes up any rhythm the show has. I don't know if that makes sense, but it just seemed really choppy.
1: Yeah, totally. So the game is like the anchor scene. The anchor's like all these yeah. flashbacks together. I feel like this could have been interesting if the actual basketball game was more compelling. Yeah. Because I mean I know like there was this whole thing where like oh no they lost the game but I, I didn't I didn't find myself caring very much. Did you care? I did not care. Yeah, I didn't really care either. You, yeah, that's
0: a good point. I didn't really realize <laughs> I didn't care until now. <laughs>
1: I feel like it could have worked better if, like, there were, like, higher stakes in the game or something like that, yeah. or if the flashback scenes focus on the game to show the stakes, but overall, like, the basketball game just, I didn't give a shit on it. like, oh, no, their season is over. Boo-hoo. Like, I, I just didn't feel any emotion toward it whatsoever.
0: I didn't really feel emotion either, and I don't know. Nothing really exciting happened because, okay, there was the fight that broke out. Whoop-dee-doo. How many fights have broken out in the season one? <laughs> And then Lucas hurts his arm. Dan pressures him to go back into the game anyway. And it wasn't really yeah, it wasn't compelling. It just didn't matter that much.
1: Yeah. And I know like Caitlin and I make jokes about how much like we we are not sports people or anything like that, but I don't even think that's necessarily the thing. Oh no. That's not what's making us like uninterested in this storyline. Because I feel like later seasons of the show. The basketball storylines are much more interesting.
0: Yeah, they are. And I've watched multiple, like, sports shows before. Like, where sports is, like, not necessarily a sports show, but kind of like One Tree Hill, where that's part of the big aspect of it. Yeah. And they've been much more entertaining. I'm thinking of Friday Night Lights, specifically, with football. But I feel like it could have been... It can be interesting to a non-sports fan. <laughs> it, yeah. it really can
1: be. Yeah, but this one, it's just they didn't do a particularly good job. I feel like, the, you know, season one, they're really tested out the whole basketball storyline and it just didn't work. And it's a spoiler to say that season two, there's absolutely no basketball. <laughs> I mean, viewers are going to
0: find out soon enough.
1: <laughs> so, and, and I feel like that's like a really, te- that's a real testament to that because I feel like they really needed to like the writers specifically really need to figure out a way to balance the basketball and the sports aspect with the other storylines. Cause like, Right now, like, I was more interested in the flashbacks that were going on. I didn't really care about the basketball game. Like, every time it went to the basketball game, I'm like, ugh, I I don't give a shit. I I don't care. (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I think because we were pulled away from the game so much for these flashbacks. I think there were too many flashbacks. And the flashbacks weren't even... They were about all different characters. So it wasn't like it was the same people. It was like, it went through so many different storylines. That's how they told the story. So I feel like you're pulled away from the, the game so much that you, you didn't
1: really have a chance to get into it. Yeah, exactly. Also, the game only lasts like the first like 20 minutes of the episode or something like that too. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, now we're not going to do the whole flashback thing. So it's just like, you see, so you only had like flashbacks for, like the first 20 minutes or so, and then you decided to like do your own thing and do it chronologically. Mm-hmm. The episode's a mess. It really is.
0: Yeah, and the the time frames, like, you're, you're questioning what happened when. Yes! And you're <laughs> like, wait a minute. Okay, that was supposed to happen before this, but then after this, like, I don't know. It really made you, like, we've seen this so many times. So someone who's first watching it is probably not going to question things as much, but someone who's seen it, like, a million times, like, you're going to start to wonder and overthink things.
1: Yeah. It's just... It's not good. (laughs) It's kind of funny, though, because this episode actually has a lot of, like, great, like, plot points that happen. A lot of, like, OMG moments, a lot of, like, exciting parts, but it's just, overall, it's a mess on how it's structured. It really is.
0: And I'm a person who loves flashbacks.
1: Yeah. I
0: love them. They do flashbacks in the series much better later on. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Very fair. I don't know if I feel one way or the other about flashbacks. Some people, some people do hate them and have like a yeah. particular thought about that.
0: Some people don't. If you're
1: somebody who hates flashbacks, let us know. Why do you hate them? <laughs> I'm curious. You can put that in our season one recap episode. Tell us like your big critique of flashbacks. Always othpod at gmail.com.
0: Oh, so speaking of the playoff game, Dan is the coach, and as we can all expect, he's just out of control. Like this entire episode.
1: Oh, he's an asshole.
0: Ugh, it's just so infuriating because, <laughs> ugh, I don't even have words for it, Jeremy.
1: <laughs> he, I'm really mad that our listeners can't see your facial expressions. <laughs> like like, you, you had your hands you know, up, and, you, you, and then you looked back or leaned your head back. It was great. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> I wish Whitey was there. Why? Why? I know. So, Dan, like, he's just awful to the team. During practice, during the actual game, and then he makes, of course, he makes Lucas go back into the game, even though he's injured, which is not surprising at all.
1: Yeah, but Lucas could have seriously gotten hurt right there. And one thing I gotta say about that whole thing now, because the doctor, or it wasn't a doctor, like what is it, a physical therapist? Who was that? The The person who takes care of athletes. That person. I'm, I'm trying to think of like the proper name the, for um,
0: it. sports medicine, I don't know
1: athletic trainer athletic I'm trainer say, yeah okay i'm gonna say athletic trainer okay um so yeah the athletic trainer like goes to dan and says like i don't think he should play and, and then dan of course lies to lucas and says like hey the doctor the doctor said you're gonna be fine it's gonna be good
0: but lucas knows that he's not fine Ugh. like you think so you, I you think actually so. do you think so huh. he can read through what dan's manipulation
1: I mean, yeah, that is the truth, because even, even Nathan says that to Dan later, and he says, y- we all know that Lucas should not have been playing in that game, exactly. so I think, like, Nathan Nathan understood, too, but at the same time, though, I still feel like the, I feel like the athletic trainer should have told Lucas that, like, I don't think you should play, instead of telling Dan, and then have Dan report to Lucas. I know it's, like, a fuzzy situation, because uh, Lucas is a minor and whatnot, but I don't know. I still feel like you should give that... You should give the child some agency. They should definitely know
0: their condition.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of, like, you know, be like, hold on, let me talk to the coach. Like, come on. I, I just thought that was very faulty.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't consider that. I feel like it doesn't matter if you're a minor. You should be told what your condition
1: is like. Yeah, that's exactly.
0: what should be done.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> it's your body.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that made me feel some type of way, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all.
0: But... Dan's coaching is (laughs) short-lived because
1: they lost. Yeah. Also, (laughs) Dan yelled at the team after they lost and is like, your season is over or like whatever the fuck he said. But Dan, you're not even the coach anymore. Literally, like what you're saying to these people, to all these teammates has no weight whatsoever. I know. (laughs) Why are you doing this? Why does he care that much? (laughs) You know? Why? Why? He's just a competitive asshole. I mean, I don't know. Like, I get competitive in other games, not sports, but, you know. If you ever played a monos with me, yeah, I yell and I scream. But I'm not toxic.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between yelling at
1: a game and, like, being basically verbally abusive. <laughs> exactly. It's it's really fucked up. And Dan should have just, like, accepted the loss and just, like, went away with it.
0: I am glad, though, that Nathan... Like stood up to him at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, I really enjoyed the callback. Remember the part where Lucas didn't have a name on his jersey? Zan mm-hmm. calls it, and he's like, "Hey, you don't have a name on your jersey." And the Lucas is like, "Yes, I do. It's right here." And he just points like the Ravens sign or the Ravens logo. And then we see Nathan rip off the name on his own jersey. So I, I kind of like that, how those little two scenes were connected to each other, because it was like reminding us, like, hey, Lucas does not have a name on his jersey, and now Nathan is stripping it off too. Yep. From what I remember, I, it, I don't think it takes very long for Nathan to put the name back on his jersey, <laughs> am I right? I I don't think so. Yeah, I think he usually has Scott on his jersey. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. we'll find out if that's like a plot hole because it's a very powerful moment. I kind of wish it like stuck around to be honest with you, but...
0: And I think about how, like, where we started at the beginning of the season and now where we are now. Basically, both of his sons want nothing to do with him. That should be a wake-up call to Dan, you would think. But no, he still acts terribly
1: (laughs) and is screaming
0: at everyone. So how are you going to mend these relationships when you're acting like that?
1: Maybe have maybe near in death he will get an epiphany. Who knows? Well, we know. Oh. But we're not going to say what. Nope. <laughs> uh, one thing that I thought was really funny. Uh, so Lucas, when he misses the last shot, a uh, funny thing about this, they shot this scene two ways. They did a shot where Lucas makes the shot and a shot where Lucas misses the shot. So, instead so the people who were, like, the extras in the crowd or whatnot, they couldn't spoil it for anybody. Um, but anyway, Chad Michael Murray actually sucks at basketball, and he can never make a shot otherwise, but when they were filming this scene, he kept making every single shot. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I just thought that was uh... hala- Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> it was like, of course. But go Chad for learning. Um, So... Mary our listener, was talking about the show's lack of diversity in her email, and one thing I wanted to know about that is that even in this particular episode, you notice that the competition for the Ravens, it's mostly black pliers.
0: Yeah, I you had mentioned that to me outside of this, and I didn't pick up on it at first, but when I rewatched it, obviously I did.
1: yeah. Like the the teammates that, I mean, there are white people on the other team too, but it's very telling the fact that like the Ravens is all white and it's all, the competition is all black, including the person who shoves Lucas and knocks him down. That's also a black player too. So the fact that like, you know, they actually got like people of color screen time on this show and it turns out that they're the villains, not even compelling villains, to be honest with you, because they're not, as we said earlier, the basketball game isn't really exciting or anything like that. And the quote-unquote villains are kind of like... They're not even side characters, just extras who got a few lines for that day, you know?
0: Yeah. It's like they're... Yeah, they're like background characters, side characters, but nothing like... There's no main character.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At all. (laughs) And I'll just say, like, that is very intentional on on the writers. That's like... That's a segment of White Supremacy that I feel like needs to be called out, because the fact that, like, this is, like, the only type of work you can give a person of color for this, you know, because One Hill's diversity for people of color, it doesn't get any better than this, honestly. There are a few characters of color, but they are very few and far between, and it, it's very jarring, like, looking at this.
0: And they don't necessarily stay in the show very long, <laughs> also.
1: Exactly. And one
0: and, one thing I wanted to note was that we haven't seen skills at all in like the past few episodes, or barely. I can't even remember the last episode he was in. Can can you? Like I could not recall what it what it was because I feel like it's been several.
1: I know there was one episode recently. It, w- it was the one where Lucas uh, can't be on the team anymore. And remember, like I came up with the hot take that Lucas should have tried to weaponize his white privilege to get skills on the team, and he didn't do it. That was, like, maybe, like, five or six episodes ago. It was a while ago. And it really sucks, though, that Skills is, like, the only, like, shining example, I think, for people of color on this show right now. And there are, as some, as we said, Marielle noted some examples, which we're not going to talk about right now, but we will as, as we get into the series. There are a few other examples, but I don't think any of them really get justice or anything like that.
0: Absolutely not. And this, this is a topic that we'll definitely touch on as we go through and as necessary. So this is not like it's the last time we'll talk about this.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And I'm noticing it's it's like the little things, too. Because, like, you mentioned the background characters. Like, I hadn't even picked that out before you said something. But it's true. It says a lot about the time period when this was filmed, unfortunately. <laughs> Diversity was not the the creators or the producers like main priority. And definitely not with this show ever. It was definitely never a priority.
1: Yeah, which is very shitty. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're not excusing it by saying like, oh, it's a part of the time period. We're not excusing that at all. It's just it is a reflection of that time, and it really sucks. Honestly, it's intentional. They they are leaving out um valuable voices of color. I think and. The shows have come so far since then, though. No.
0: Yeah, and I can think of other shows, like, in in this time period or roughly, maybe a little bit after, like, that have more of a diverse cast or at least really, like, fleshed out characters of color, you know, that are really, they're part of the show and they're consistently mm-hmm. a part of the show. Right now, yeah, we have skills and he's in and out and he's not a huge part of the show. So, I don't know. It's just really, it really is telling of the time. But like you said, does that doesn't excuse it?
1: Yeah, totally. We're just gonna keep calling it like we say it as the series goes on. Exactly. But that was a that was a great thing to point out, Marielle. So thank you for saying that. Thanks, Marielle. Let's talk about one of the bombshells that happened in this episode, though. and Keith sleep together. Oh my! <laughs> 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 Definitely not expecting this to happen. So. Dan tells Deb that he was planning to leave her for Karen. And I just got to say, like, Dan, why did you have to say that? Do you just want to keep, like, you know, the, like, twisting the knife even more about the divorce? Like, what is, your, what is the point of doing this? Why? He really is twisting the knife. And <laughs>
0: i that's a good way to put it. i, I He just, ugh. Why tell her now?
1: Dan is such a drama queen. He's a drama queen.
0: After all this time, why tell her now? I don't know. Just to hurt her. It's a, another way to manipulate. And then it was also a way for the writers to tell us what he was thinking back then.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> also. So it's like a bombshell for us because we get to find that out. But come on, did you really have to say it to Deb? Why?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he should have said it to Karen. She's really the one who needed to hear it. Deb didn't need to hear it. That's only hurting her. But maybe Karen needed to hear that.
1: Honestly. Ugh. I really wish that's what happened now, because because if Dan were to do that, it would also give Dan a little bit of sense of humanity. Because her hands are like, you know, like, also, why do you have to tell Karen? But it also makes you think, like, okay, there is some goodness in Dan. But the fact that Dan's telling Deb, it just shows, like, yeah, you're, you're a shitty guy.
0: Yeah. It really would have redeemed him a little bit. And at least maybe the air would have been cleared a little bit between Karen and, and Dan if he right. if he said that to her. But regardless, man, is this storyline shocking? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so great.
0: Like they're having this heart-to-heart sitting by the fire, but I didn't think I didn't think that there were like there was anything like sexual tension. I didn't think that, did you? Ugh. They were just having like a moment of talking about the past. I didn't think there was any kind of tension there, but
1: Apparently there was. I think it was just convenient for the two of them, honestly.
0: I kind of like their conversation. I'm going to read part of what they said. Oh, please do. So Deb says, you know, the first time I left Dan, I still believed I could get out. Just pack my things and escape to a new life. But you can't. You just put a new face on the same loneliness. What happened to us, Keith? How do we become so broken? And Keith says, we fell in love and at some point, The people we love forgot to
1: love us back. That was such a great moment.
0: It really is such a great moment. And it's so (laughs) sad because you know Deb at one point loved Dan. Keith obviously loved Karen, still loves her. And these are the people that they thought they would either end up with or stay with. And now their life's completely different. And it's just, it's really a sad moment. I feel for both of them.
1: You know what I think really happened? I think honestly both Keith and Deb were just thinking about Karen the entire time. (laughs) jeremy oh making up storylines yet again i'm not making up storylines okay i'm just saying both of them were thinking about karen the entire time and so they just decided to say you know what well neither of us can be with karen why don't we just be together instead
0: (laughs) i love how you just oh my god just added that you're
1: welcome (laughs) you are welcome um Can we talk real quickly though about the goodbye scene between um, Keith and Karen, uh, which I feel like was also a driving force between um, a driving force to get Keith to sleep with Zeb. I really like that scene because it shows that Karen does forgive Keith because Karen says like you you should know that if this was anybody else, I wouldn't let Lucas go with you. And I just thought that was like a really sweet moment. I still feel like Keith is kind of being an ass. Like I said in the previous episode about how like you know the whole his whole feelings for. Um, Karen seemed to have been conditional. But I also respect Keith's need to leave because he did say that um, his heart keeps breaking. He can't look at Karen without his heart breaking, so he has to leave to essentially protect himself. And I get that. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that, despite what I said in the previous episode. But he is he was
0: telling her, however he phrased it, you know, you haven't been with anyone since Dan. He's kind of like throwing that in her face like she's not opened up her heart to anyone else so i see i see what you were originally saying okay that he is kind of pressuring her a bit
1: do you think he was thrown in thrown in her face though about like their respective relationship meaning keith and karen's or do you think he was just saying like because there was a line where keith said you need to open up your heart to somebody and i feel like what was what was not said necessarily is like hey that somebody doesn't necessarily have to be me but it should be somebody yeah. Maybe it could be Larry Sawyer.
0: <laughs> you know, maybe I said that wrong. Not necessarily throwing it in her face, but just kind of like, I don't know, rubbing it in a little bit. But he's he was trying to make a point, yeah, that she should open up her heart. But I think also in a way, it could be seen as a little selfish because he wants to be with her. And he's like, yeah. why haven't you opened up your heart to anyone else? I've been right here this whole time. So I can kind of see both
1: sides to that. And like Keith, you just need to understand, like maybe Karen just isn't into you, you know? Yeah. I feel like at the end of the day we do think that it, it seems like Karen does have feelings for Keith, but she just can't open up her heart because after all, like Karen was the one who did the first kiss. But I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're in Keith's situation, you really should respect Karen's boundaries here. And I feel like there's no respect of boundaries whatsoever here. I can see that. But he was able to find solace in Deb, even though he was thinking about Karen, just like Deb was but boy and then so up.
0: I'm just gonna ignore that and move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but boy were there consequences. Are you talking about the part where Zan punches the window of his own car? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm telling
0: you, drama queen. <laughs> he really is. Oh my gosh. But he he tells Keith, you know, you're not my brother anymore. Like Oh my gosh! They were already on terrible terms, and now this happened. So like, yeah. I get that Deb and Keith were vulnerable, but like, Keith probably not the best idea. Deb probably not the best idea. It takes two to tango, but I don't know. You, you kind of have to like. I understand why Deb or Dan. There's too many D's. I understand why. <laughs> Dan, <laughs>
1: Too many Ds. There are also a couple of dicks in this episode, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: I understand why Dan would be upset, but it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me because there's these two brothers who can't get along for whatever reason at this point. It doesn't, like, their history is just like, get over it and let's move on. And now this has happened, so I can only assume that this is just, like, the end, basically. (laughs) (laughs) right like how are they gonna get back from this
1: but also too, like Dan, you're divorcing deb deb is free to sleep with whoever she wants to (laughs) yeah i I feel like i understand like why he's a little bit upset with keith because i I don't know i I just understand that but like come on well honestly i feel like most of his anger was directed toward keith to be fair like, I don't think we got a vibe that he's angry at Zab, at least not now, right?
0: Well, Dan gets the text from Deb saying, please call me. So, he's not talking to her.
1: Right. But
0: we don't get anything really direct, like,
1: with Keith. He's not like, giving her the silent treatment, it's mm-hmm. a huge sweat.
0: Because they're, I mean, they're over with anyway. Like yeah. you said, he twisted the knife by telling her that he was going to go back to Karen, and now this happens. So, like... They were about to sign the divorce papers anyway, so it shouldn't matter as much. But I know it's it's a touchy thing. Which
1: <laughs> I gotta make a really fucked up joke for a second. <laughs> do you? So I know you watched Schitt's Creek very recently, so it might not be as like fresh in your head. But do you remember? I forget the exact details of the episode where um where Moira and Johnny are trying to sell the town. And they try to and they try to sell it to somebody else, and then that person ends up dying of a heart attack in the middle of signing it. <laughs> yep. I was thinking about that when Dan like was falling over from his heart attack. I was like, "You hey, shits." That's so true. It's like would have been funny if Zeb came over. It's like, no, come on, here's the paper. Just sign it real quickly. You can just you can do it. You can do it. Like you know something's gonna happen because this is too important of a moment, and you're like waiting and watching. Oh, my gosh. I switch was, I was wish Deb, Deb could have pulled a boy right and just been like, well, here, like, real quickly, let me just run the paper over. You can sell it. You can sign it. Oh,
0: my gosh. It's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle it. I really can't.
1: Oh, oh but, jeez, But whatever. We're going to see what happens with all this later on oh, in season two. Yeah. Oh. But we're not even done with discussing some of the bombshells. Let's keep moving. Oh, my
0: gosh. There are just so many bombshells.
1: So <laughs> another
0: set of three characters, Brooke, Nikki, and Peyton, they got their own drama going on between these three. Like, we see Brooke, she's pretending to be on Nikki's side, but really, we find out that she's on Peyton's side. And I don't know, I, I actually, that was like my favorite part of the flashbacks.
1: Sam. Honestly, same. I feel like this is the most compelling storyline that was happening, because I was really buying it. Like, I mean, obviously I know now, but back then I was really buying it. Like, Brooke is sort to of stab Peyton in the back. No way. And that turns out to be a twist, and I loved it so much.
0: I agree. I was really buying into it, too. I thought that's what was going to happen. And then it was like a big relief in the end that Brooke and Peyton are friends, and she was helping mm-hmm. her all along. So... Yeah, I love how that was, like, resolved. And then you get to see Nikki driving in the wrong direction.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, A fun fact about this, um, I remember I watched the audio commentary for this a long, long time ago. Um, Sophia Bush, she actually wrote down Seattle on the piece of paper. or or the napkin to give the Nikki and like Sophia Bush to saying during the audio commentary she's like who knows what Brooke actually wrote but me I wrote Seattle because at the time she didn't know like what the like what the direction of the storyline was because who knows like for all we know Brooke could have very easily have written Savannah and actually set Nikki in the correct direction (laughs) but I I think it's pretty clear though that she definitely did write Seattle not Savannah (laughs) oh for sure but also Seattle is a pretty big city so like Nikki's going to go to Seattle and what? Just like knock on doors? I was
0: wondering the same thing. Like, how do you just go anywhere? Like, even if it's a smaller city. How? It's like a needle in the haystack. How are you going to find that?
1: Exactly. Knock on doors and be like, hey, is my kid here? Jake? Jake? You there? Yeah, it's
0: pretty dumb. But for the storyline, it was good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it works. I, I have so many questions, though. I'm like, how is Nikki going to finance herself going there? Like, is she going to get a job out in Seattle? Is she going to like?
0: <laughs> is she leaving school then? I guess she's not in college. She's just sticking around Tree Hill, and now she's driving to Seattle.
1: Well, she definitely dropped out of college already, didn't she? I think she dropped out. of Oh, she definitely
0: did drop out. Okay. I,
1: I think. Who kno- honestly? Who knows? The show does not care about details. <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't but obviously she's moving to seattle just on a whim i mean you know go her like you know going after your daughter like that just power to you <laughs> I, but
0: this whole uh storyline did make me nervous like we already said that we brought into it but like i was nervous the whole time i'm like oh my god what is brooke gonna do like she's really gonna yeah. reveal this like i cannot believe that she would do that to Peyton and jake
1: And Jenny, too, doing that to a child. Oh my goodness. Because we know that Nikki isn't necessarily the best mother. I know we have some, like, we've had nuanced takes on her in previous episodes, but we know that she's not the greatest person in some ways, you know? Mm -hmm. I was just very relieved overall. (laughs) Yeah, same. I was like, oh, thank goodness. And then that's the moment where, like, where Brooke and Peyton are in bed together, and they're like, let's do something great today. And then it flashes. So let me tell you a little bit about this. So after she says, let's do something great today, then it flashes through the envelope on their door. When I first watched this, I was thinking, like, okay, what do they do? They put a, they put a sign on their door? Like, okay. What is going What? like that's something great they did okay that's i mean that's cool you thought that was a great thing to do great we said in our recap that that is definitely an envelope from lucas but i definitely did not put that together until i saw season two which it's not even a spoiler to clarify that but yes it's definitely an envelope from lucas
0: it zooms in on their names though
1: Yeah, but how do we know that it's an envelope from Lucas? Like, were you able to figure that out immediately? Because I know I didn't. (laughs) I mean,
0: I don't really remember all the way back when I first watched this, which was so long ago, but like, I don't think I was ever confused about it because he was the only one leaving Tree Hill.
1: I didn't think it was a goodbye letter, though. I honestly thought it was just a sign that Brooke and and, uh, and Hayden put on their door to just say like, hey, this is our room. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I don't know. So I did not put two and two together that it was a letter from Lucas, but I mean, it does make sense because Lucas, they're the only people Lucas didn't say goodbye to, which uh, speaking of which, let's talk about some of Lucas's goodbyes.
0: I loved the goodbye with Nathan. Yes. Like that one like gave me all the feels. Oh my gosh.
1: And the song that's playing in the background, it's um, NYC Weather Report by Five for n. That's a good moment. That's not my favorite musical moment, but... That's a good one. That's a great moment.
0: It was just so touching because they were on good terms. They acknowledged that they were brothers for, like, the first time, like, truly acknowledged it, and admitted that they were going to miss each other. Like, they've taken, like, a complete 180 from episode one. It's just yep. so different.
1: And they even do like Nathan even does a call back too. He says, Well, I gotta tell you, man, I never thought when we played that one on one game that I'd end up back here feeling like this. Lucas is like, like what? He's like, Like I'm going to miss you. You gotta do what you feel. I actually wish you weren't going to leave because you're one hell of a basketball player and because you're my brother. Take care of yourself, man. It was so cool to have that full circle moment to actually happen on the court where their rivalry essentially began. Yeah. It was such a good moment. I loved it. So you say,
0: "One Tree Hill's not about the details. Well, in terms of like timelines and stuff, I think is really what you're referring to, and like side characters and things. Yeah. But they are about the details
1: when it comes to like moments like this. They're all their A game, like A plus, five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> you're great. <laughs> Otherwise, not so time much. periods and whatnot. You can do a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. We also had the goodbye between Lucas and Haley, which I also thought was really sweet because Haley's like, who's going to go to the Lost and Found with me and claim some stuff? Who's going to buy stupid music with me? I don't know. That, that was kind of sad. And they do it in a graveyard. Why did he have to ask Haley to come to a graveyard? I
0: thought that was really strange that they chose that <laughs> as a setting.
1: <laughs> I, I don't really get the significance there. There may have been, like, a film and reason for it. Like, maybe they wanted to, like, change up the locations. Because, I mean, you know, we already had the scene with Nathan and Lucas on the river court. Which I felt like that had to happen. It had to be on the river court. But, I don't know. You couldn't at least go into somebody's bedroom or something? Like, you couldn't go into Haley's bedroom? Come on.
0: I know. (laughs) It is kind of strange. And I I feel like he threw that news on her, like, really suddenly. You would have thought that he would have mentioned that to her sooner. Because no longer is he telling her that he's going to leave. Then, like, the next day, I don't... I See, I don't really know the timeline, once again. Don't really know how many days <laughs> passed. But the next day, nice. I believe, or maybe two days later, I don't think it was very much time. He's then telling her that he's leaving that night. So it's like he's giving his best friend hardly any notice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, though, I, I, you know, him deciding to even go to Charleston was a very spur-of-the-moment thing.
0: It was. But I just think <laughs> about... It was spur-of-the-moment. But the fact that they're, like, leaving so soon. He didn't tell Haley right away, I don't think, when he made that decision.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the first thing he did was he asked uh, Karen and Keith if it was... A, well, he didn't even say if it was okay. He just said, like, I want to leave. Which, that's what you should do. You should ask your parent or guardian, like, is this okay? And then we find out that Karen said it was okay. And then I guess Keith agreed. I'm I'm hoping he agreed. It wasn't just, like... Sprung on him like that, but I
0: mean, it's a pretty big deal when you're in high school. Like, think about how big of a deal your friends are and your best friend, specifically. Now he's leaving, like, that's mm-hmm. it's kind of isolating, you know, because now yeah, totally. she'll be without her best friend.
1: I know, but she has Nathan
0: now, she has a husband. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are we? T- we're not talking about that yet, are we? <laughs> we can roll right into that actually, because that's actually the next topic on our agenda. Oh my god! So that's so that's si- listeners that silence that you all heard that was just me shaking my head. <laughs> I hope you know that because
0: okay, Jesus, I'm trying to Jesus
1: fucking, I'm Christ. trying to
0: get into the minds of the writers. Like, what was the conversation in the writers' room, Jeremy? Back in 2003, probably they formed this in 2003 because it aired in 2004, so...
1: Do you really think they planned this that far in advance? Do you really think so?
0: Or maybe it's 2004, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what was the conversation in that writer's room that made them say, we're going to have them get married? And they're what, 17? 16?
1: Well, you know, this show is not very good for representation for POC, so maybe they were just trying to think, you know what? We need some better representation for teen marriage. <laughs> and honestly, like me seeing that, I really felt seen. I really felt like, you know what? This is the type of representation we need in media. You cannot call that representation. <laughs> because I know like, you know, when I was 17, I was thinking, wow, I want to get married someday, but nobody my age is doing it. I would really like to see other people my age get married.
0: I mean, in teen dramas, you always get that teen (laughs) pregnancy or whatever, but you never get the teen marriage.
1: That's what I'm saying. This is the representation we have all been craving for. You know, so like props to One Tree Hill. Like, bravo. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: I love it so much. So thank you. Thank you, One Tree Hill. Now I know that I could have gotten married as a teenager because of this show. All
0: right. So now let's get into
1: the minds of
0: our teenage <laughs> selves watching this for the first time. What were you thinking, Jeremy?
1: <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew that it was fake. I, I had the mindset like, this this isn't real. This this can't happen. <laughs> so I was able to, even at 30, I suspend my disbelief. However, I just got to say, like this is the moment where this show starts to go a little bit off the rails in the best way. Because I feel like we're getting into peak One Tree Hill very soon. But this is the moment where it's like this really isn't a relatable teen drama anymore. This is <laughs> something new entirely, which is great. I love it.
0: And I feel like the whole season was relatable for the, for the most mm-hmm. part. I would say generally it was relatable, and then we get this bombshell at the end that's like totally yeah. out of character for Haley. First yeah. off, I, we have to address that part. Totally out of character for Haley. Uh huh. But going back to what you said about your teenage self, I agree. I suspended disbelief because I knew that it was like a fantasy, basically, that that would happen. Like It was a fantasy world. So I never took it literally. I mean, I always loved Nathan and Haley. I loved them together. But yeah, I couldn't really take the marriage so seriously.
1: (laughs) Exactly, but it's just so funny, because, like, I mean, we've been watching season one very slowly for this podcast, and I feel like this entire season's been very grounded in reality, you know, because all these things happen, like, yeah, that could happen to teenagers. That, you know, some of these things, like, have happened to us as teenagers, you know, but why do they go in this direction for?
0: Yeah, why do they have to take it to this level, you know? I don't really understand that, and I, I guess we can address Marielle's other question about love and how... This show kind of yeah. affected her view of love and how like relationships are. Mm-hmm. And One Tree Hill, you know, you love those moments between characters where like it's intense and like they have like this passionate kiss in the rain and and all of, all of that. And they're nice to watch, but, like, it isn't reality, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's not raining and you're running to each other to apologize and you kiss passionately. (laughs) Like, that's just not happening. And I feel like teen dramas, (laughs) not even just One Tree Hill, but basically all teen dramas do that. Even ones that are on TV now. Yeah. They make these really unrealistic, there's just unrealistic storylines and scenes and like I said, while they're fun to watch, and like romanticize them, basically, it isn't reality. And I, I really wonder how that like affects young teens' ideas. Like marielle said when she was
1: younger, yeah. Uh, how do you th- do you think it affected your views of like romance or anything when you were a teenager?
0: I think it definitely did. I yeah. think it definitely did. Whether, yeah, it it just it built this notion that things like are perfect.
1: Yeah, like everything has to be this big sweep and romantic gesture where like my boyfriend is waiting for me at my doorstep, apologizing for all the porn on his computer. Like, why don't I ever get that? You know, like it's really silly, honestly. It is. And it gives you, I feel like it gives you like really high expectations too. And also the the whole idea about, uh, to about like getting married and everything, I feel like the show really like enforced the, like this heteronormative idea, like, you know, like, okay, you date somebody and then you get married and then, you know, maybe kids come after that for some people, like who knows? But life does not have to work out that way. Like, Haley, I, I'm i sorry. Like, you really did not have to marry Nathan. I know, like, you know, the two of you love each other and you feel like you're going to be together forever. You do not have to get married at 17. You could wait a few years. If you're still together then, by all means, please do it. But, like, marriage isn't necessarily a goal for all relationships or any relationships. You don't always have to get married, <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, I. that's a really good point. And, and there's also this layer of, like, she wanted to be married before she had sex with Nathan. Uh, yeah. And that, another- that's a whole added thing to it. And like, you know, some people want to do that and that's totally fine. I'm not judging her in any way, mm-hmm. but it's making it seem like that was the only way they could have
1: sex. <laughs> it's like a big twist. She's like, Lucas is like, I thought you were, you were going to wait until you got married. And then Haley's like, we did wait. We got married last night. <laughs>
0: What? I know. It's like Haley, in reality, Haley would not do this. This is so out <laughs> of character for her.
1: What can I say? She really wanted to see Nathan naked.
0: <laughs> and not even that part. Like just getting married, like okay, have sex with Nathan or don't have sex with Nathan. But why make this really like quick decision?
1: Yeah and also, too, like, you can say you want to save yourself and solve marriage or whatnot. Like, I mean, a lot of people have, like, you know, religious reasons for doing that, and that's perfectly fine. But I feel like we don't really know much about Haley's, like, religious background. I don't think there's religious reasons behind this, is there? Like,
0: No, never has stated. And like I said, I'm not judging anyone who's who's waiting. Yeah. Absolutely not. But it, I don't know. The way it's presented is kind of strange in this show.
1: Yeah. But by all means, you can change your minds. and. One thing that I made a connection to on this whole storyline, this was a couple of years after it was revealed that Britney Spears lost her virginity, quote unquote, because I don't believe virginity is a real thing. Um, Which, back when she, quote-unquote, lost her virginity to Justin Timberlake, though. And everybody was, like, talking about her, slut-shaming her, because Britney Spears did say, like, like, oh, I'm gonna save myself till I'm married. And then, you know what happened? Britney ended up changing her fucking mind. And she decided to have sex. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Just like, Haley, Haley, you can change your mind, Haley, if you want to have sex with Nathan that badly. Feel free. I can tell you were into it a little bit. I mean, you took off your top and you were like, no, it's okay. And then you got on top of him. And then, I mean, they didn't have sex during that little scene as we find out, because later on they get married. But just come on. You can change your mind about sex if you want to.
0: Yeah, I I think, yeah, you explained that well. That's kind of what I was trying to say. Like, basically, she had to get married to have sex with him.
1: Yeah. Even Lucas tried to, like, shame her for it, too. He was like, I thought you were waiting to get married. It's like, Lucas, like, she changed her mind. And you know what? If she did, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's just this
0: whole societal construct, basically. Like, you have to do this before you do this. And you can't do anything yep. else other than this particular order. And that's the trap that I think she's in. Like, she does she really believe that? Or, because, like, some people do, that they should wait. Or is she just... In her mind, like, she thinks, oh, hey, that's what has to be done. Like, it has to be done in that yeah. order, because society is telling me that it has to be done in that order.
1: And I feel like it goes all into, like, you know, when we were impressionable used to watching this show, too. Like, we thought, like, yep, this is how it has to be. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, it's like, no, it doesn't have to be this way at all.
0: Yeah, there's different... There can be a different order in which you do things in life. And that, that goes... Not even just, like, these particular things, but, like, that just goes with with anything. Like, you don't have to do it the way everyone has done it in the past. You can do your own thing.
1: Exactly. You can do your own thing. Like, I have a friend, like, you know, uh, she and her boyfriend, they want to have kids before they get married. That's just something they want to do. And it's like, you know what? That's cool. You don't have to get married and then have children, you know? Or, like, you know, so you can choose that path. You can choose not to have children at all. You can choose not to get married at all. You can choose to have um, sex parties every week and just have, like, a regular, like, you know, poly three-way that you live with, you yep. know? It's yeah. it's the truth. <laughs> so, it all it's all boiled down to heteronormativity. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, heteronormativity, like, heterosexual. I mean, like, the construct of heteronormativity. Like, the whole thing. Love, marriage, baby, carriage, that mm-hmm. whole thing. You don't have to live that life. I'm just saying.
0: There's another way, Haley. There's another
1: way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There is another way. Oh, my Lord. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about, though, related to Haley, are are we done about the marriage then? Have we unpacked that? Do you think we've unpacked that enough? I
0: mean, we tackled it at the angle in which we originally watched it and then branched out to talk about heteronormativity and societal constructs, (laughs) so... I think we we handled it.
1: We've covered all bases. <laughs> I, I think we said okay, good. Just want to make sure before we move on because I feel like I feel like that's the thing listeners want to know from us. So. I mean, we're
0: gonna be talking about Haley's Haley and Nathan's marriage in season two, obviously.
1: So, uh, oh, oh, we will. But <laughs> <laughs> one thing I want to talk about: uh, Dan approaches Haley at the beginning of the episode, and Dan's like, "Don't think I haven't noticed your part in all this." You know, Haley, if you're going to manipulate him, you should aim a little higher and remember, payback is hell. Oh, uh, by the way, nice tattoo, real classy. What the fuck is Dan talking about? I
0: don't know. And that scene was so <laughs> strange. It was just like this quick little exchange and then he was out of there.
1: Yeah. You know what I honestly think? I think they were planning something with Haley. Like for that episode and then they just decided to nix that plot line. So why would they keep that scene like- in? Well, well, I mean, maybe they were planning something for, like, season two. I mean. And then he just decided, like, yeah, let's just not do that. Like, maybe they were going to make Haley be, like, this manipulative vixen who just tricked Nathan into marriage or something. Oh, and that's it was.
0: I think Dan was just having a moment because, like, he has no control over Nathan now, hardly. And Haley is, like, his sidekick because she's his girlfriend and, like, almost right? encouraging him to be independent. So maybe that's where
1: he's coming from. Maybe. That seems weird, though.
0: <laughs> I don't really know what else to make of it, you know. What is it being
1: said there? But anyway, moving on. Let's talk about this beautiful coda. So in this coda, the song is run by Snow Patrol. Light up, light up, as if you have a choice. Look at you. <laughs> wow. You didn't sing yet in this episode. so I felt like one of us had to, you know. <laughs>
0: lovely i love it
1: you're violating your contract Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> so in this coda, we see keith leave his apartment with a photo of him and dan behind oh my god so symbolic we see brooke and Peyton waking up together and there's an envelope attached to peyton's door that's the one from lucas that we find out um when is about to get his test results and it's like oh gee what's gonna happen there we see Nikki leave town for seattle not savannah We see Karen sit in Lucas's empty bedroom, crying. We see Deb find Dan, and that's the moment when Dan's like, you better hope I die.
0: Yeah, so we know that that Dan is out to get Deb now. He has hard feelings now. He just was, it was was all silence before. Now he's getting his revenge.
1: Yeah, you better hope I die. Like, why? Why do we hope he should die? Like, what's he gonna do? What does he got planned? Who knows? Um, we reveal that Nathan Haley got married. (laughs) As we mentioned. <laughs> and then we see Lucas and Keith drive away off through Charleston. And then the episode ends where Lucas says that more than one Raven together predicts trouble ahead. And then you see a flock of Ravens or I'm sorry. I said a flock of Ravens. How dare I? <laughs> we see an unkindness of Ravens up in the sky. And then it's like, oh my God, this is so symbolic because I guess there's going to be trouble ahead.
0: Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of trouble. I'm still really concerned looking out for these ravens. This this group of ravens. Man
1: <laughs> This group you're saying a group of ravens, it is an unkindness scale. Yeah, that's true.
0: But I'm still <laughs> okay. really concerned. Unkindness group, whatever. Like these ravens are really concerning me.
1: Oh god. What What's is going happen? to happen? <laughs> we will find out in season two, but We're going to wait a while until we got there, right? Let's talk a little bit about some of our top favorite moments. What was your favorite quotes? Well, you know what my favorite quote is. Is it it Karen's quote? Of course. Because it's also mine. (laughs) And honestly, I don't think either one of us can do justice by reading a quote out loud. So we're just going to insert a clip of Karen hearing it because we just can't do it justice. I know all of you love our dramatic readings of some of these lines, but come on. It's fucking Karen Rowe. You gotta listen to her.
0: I know you're searching for things,
1: Lucas. And I hope with all my heart that you find the answers to your questions. But the answers that you're looking for are closer than you think. They're in your heart. And in the hearts of those who love you. And that is right here. At home. Now, in your life, you're going to go to some great places and you're going to do some wonderful things. But no matter where you go or who you become, this place will always be with you. There
0: is only one tree hill. And it's your home.
1: God just hits you right in the fields, doesn't it?
0: I love that quote so
1: much. Oh my gosh. And she's like, I love you, my boy. Like I'm just like, I just wanna cry. <laughs> I love
0: it. Oh my goodness! And then you know, it wraps things up nicely for the season because it, it kind of brings the title, One Tree Hill. It gives it meaning.
1: Yep. I remember watching this for the first time, being like, "That's why the show is called One Tree Hill." Got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably did the same. <laughs>
1: Um, Sam is, current, is still in her first watch She hasn't gotten to this episode yet And she still doesn't know why it's called Like, Tree Hill I'm like, maybe it's, She's like oh is it an address so I'm like oh you'll is find it out an You will find out <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry You will learn Oh my um, goodness
0: An address
1: <laughs> <laughs> What was your favorite so, musical moment Gavin DeGraw's More Than Anyone which plays, or Nathan and Haley's kiss scene. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. It's, it's a great song. gets a very emotional moment. I have a little bit more to say about it in the spoiler segment, and we'll get to there.
0: Iconic, like Mary Elson.
1: <laughs> oh, so good. What was yours, though?
0: I really liked Run by Snow Patrol, which was the coda. I mm, feel like it was one. perfect, 2000s, kind of moody. And the music, like, swells throughout, and, like... I don't know. It kind of gives me all the feels. And there's all these things happening. Like, the song's good in itself, but like the musical moment, there's so many big things that are happening. And it's like tying the episode and the season together. And it
1: just, I don't know. It was
0: really meaningful to me.
1: Light up, light up, (laughs) as if you've had a choice.
0: (laughs) I don't know what comes after that, so.
1: All right, what is your score?
0: So I gave it a four out of five, brothers. Okay. I felt like, well, you know, brothers—like that's the heart of the show right now, <laughs> brothers. It is. And I love that moment with Lucas and Nathan.
1: Yeah, and did you also like the brothers where the, the one brother punched the <laughs> punched the glass of his own car? And it's
0: also about other brothers too. Yep. <laughs> It's just not, not as heartwarming as the other scene. <laughs> um, I think it was it was a good finale. Like we already said, there were a bunch of bombshells that were dropped. I can't not compare it to other finales of One Tree Hill, though. And I know we're not really supposed to necessarily do that, but I can't give it a 5 out of 5. There are so many better season finales of One Tree Hill. Um, oh, for sure. So I, I can't give it a 5 out of 5. So it gets a 4 out of 5, yeah. and then... The flashbacks were strange, so that definitely takes it down. But I feel like there's some good stories in here.
1: Yeah. I gave it four out of five words of wisdom from Karen Rowe. Aww. Because, just like you said, the flashbacks were a hot mess. Um, But there were still, like, a lot of good things that happened. There were a lot of things yeah. that made me really excited for what's to come. Especially knowing what's to come, too. I was just really pumped, honestly, listening to this, but... You know, and I'm I'm honestly really excited to dive into season two. I cannot wait. Yeah, like, I almost don't want to take a break between seasons one and two, but unfortunately we have to, and that is also a message for our listeners, not just for us to banter back and forth. But yeah, uh, we will be taking a short break between seasons one and two. But in the meantime, stay tuned for our season one recap episode, which will be dropping soon. We don't necessarily have a release date in mind for that yet, but you will hear about it. And I'm just excited because there's so much good stuff to happen.
0: Yes, we have so much to talk about.
1: Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Always Pod. You can also email us at Always at gmail.com. That's Always O-T-H-P-O-D.
0: You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at
1: Rodriguez Jeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at Miss I Reads.
0: Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us.
1: Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing you.
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want to hear spoilers.
1: So, something that Kim Kirtland's one pointed out to us on Twitter is the giant plot hole for the timeline of Nathan and Haley's wedding. And we're aware. Very much so. We are very aware. We are not going to talk about it in this episode, but we will talk about it in the second season premiere for the actual space of the episode. So tr- trust us, Kim. We, we're very much aware of it because it's terrible.
0: <laughs> it bothers me so much. I can't wait to talk about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, It's it's bad. Um, But more positive things. So Gavin DeGraw is more than anyone... That is the song that plays during Nathan and Haley's first dance during their second wedding.
0: (laughs) And they're not even graduating high school yet. It's their second (laughs) wedding.
1: Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just live in the romance of that moment, Caitlin. Don't remind me, okay? (laughs) It's a cute moment. It's such a sweet song. I love that song. So do you know the whole context of... Of, like, that song being included in that episode. Do you know the context behind it? I don't think so. Oh, God. Okay, I'm about to blow your mind, and I'm excited. Really, I'm not going to blow your mind. I'm just giving you a piece of trivia. Um, so I watched that episode as it aired, and one of the things that singular customers got to do was you got to vote for the song that would play as Nathan Haley's first dance. So you got to vote, and then that song would get played in the episode. Oh. that was really cool. Do you remember what
0: the other songs were?
1: I really wish I did. I tried looking up on the internet to see like what the ch- what the other choices were, but like I I can't find anything. And if anybody does remember, please let us know. I would really like to know what they were. But I remember them being all Nathan and Haley related songs. Yeah. They were all related to their relationship in some way.
0: Like dare you to move maybe was
1: one? I don't think dare you to move was one of them. I feel like they were choosing more like slow ballad type songs. But yeah, this is the song that ended up winning, and the thing that was ironic about this, though, is when they filmed that scene, they did play a song in the background when they were filming, and it was not this song that was played. Really? Yeah. And again, I forget which song it was.
0: Come (laughs) on, Jeremy, you're killing me!
1: (laughs) I wish I had a source. Although, if you watch the Season 3 audio commentary, I'm pretty sure that the creator of the show mentions what song was playing. Oh, okay. So... So yeah, if you if you do some digging, you can find out. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to season three. Oh of course, God, I but. can't.
0: I mean, I'm excited for season two, but like season three, holy <laughs> moly, I can't
1: wait. I am so excited, but mm. yeah. So we could talk about other teen weddings.
0: I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that's a really good episode. The the second one is so much more romantic though, and I can buy it. I hate that I buy it, but I do. Oh my gosh, that's one of the best episodes of the show. <laughs> yeah, a high point in the series, honestly, and I cannot fucking wait, but but unfortunately we have to.
0: <laughs> do we have to wait? Do we really? Let's just skip to season three right now.
1: <laughs> no, we gotta do every episode. Season two's great, though. Oh, you know, I am so super excited. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm definitely very excited to dive into to Dive into where I think the show really starts to hit its stride. Um so, so we get we get introduced to a lot of new characters in season 2. We get Anna, Felix, Jules. Um oh my god, I'm blanking. What is what is Karen's boyfriend's name? Andy? And a, "Wow, completely forgot." They
0: really threw a lot of main characters in there.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that actually hurt the show a little bit because yeah, you know, people do not like new characters on One Tree Hill. It's just a, it's just a fact. Like fans do not like new characters, and they did not respond well to these new characters whatsoever.
0: Well, I like watching it, so I don't mind these characters.
1: Yeah, I, I loved watching the show. The storylines are really great, but I definitely felt like they took up a little bit too much screen time, like the, how the characters are like forced on us, like, hey, love this character now. And I'm like, ugh, but I, I, I spent all season falling in love with Brooke and Peyton and Haley and Nathan and Lucas. <laughs> I want to see these guys more, you yeah, know?
0: I see that point too. I mean, I feel like it freshened things up a little bit, though. It made things a bit more exciting. Even if you didn't necessarily like the characters, it definitely made things more exciting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I, I gotta say, though, I feel like One Street Hill does a much better job at introducing new characters later on. Like, Season 5, Season 5, they also throw a bunch of new characters on us, but they do it much better then. Yeah. I don't know, like, getting introduced to Lindsay and everybody, like, I I felt like that was more relatable. I, I was actually rooting for those new characters. Season 2, not so much. I'm looking forward to rewatching it and trying to see how my feelings have changed, but I am looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: I think... You know, season five, it was like a brand new start, so it felt more natural, probably, that the net new yeah. characters would be part of it because it was like you were starting over, basically. Season two, it's just continuing.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: we also season two. We have Chris Keller. How the heck did we forget him? How do we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! It's been a while since we've seen season two. It seems like. <laughs> I love Chris Keller. <laughs> yeah, I love Chris Keller. He's so shitty. I love him,
0: and he keeps coming back, and it's just I love it. I love it.
1: Tyler Hilton is an absolute gem.
0: We saw him live. We did. <laughs> you were like two feet from stage.
1: <laughs> that was a night to remember. Oh my god, I yes. Love it. Um, but uh, one character that I really do enjoy though in season two is Anna, and I don't know if I've ever vaguely talked about this on the podcast but Anna actually inspired me to come out I'm not going to share that story here because I feel like we need to wait until we get into season two but Anna was a big inspiration behind my coming out both her and Willow Rosenberg from Buffy the Vampire Slayer both of those characters really inspired me so Anna has a she has a special place in my heart for that reason even though I feel like there's a lot of issues with her character as well
0: yeah, I can't wait to talk about that storyline with you. That's going to be really, Same. really interesting to dissect that now.
1: Because it's been a while since I've seen season two. Yeah. I just wonder if it'll give me, like, warm and fuzzies now. Because, like and, like I said, it's been so... I, probably the last time I watched season two in its entirety was, like, right when I was coming out. So, like, I don't think I've actually, wow. like, revisited this. So, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll, like, shed some tears. Or maybe I'll just be, like, dead and void of emotion. Who knows? <laughs> But uh, that's going to be really fun to revisit. Oh, God. All right. I'm going to unpack some childhood traumas, Caitlin. This is going to be great.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. On a lighter note, we get Trick.
1: Yes, we do.
0: I'm really excited to see that again.
1: A.K.A. an excuse to see um, more musicians appear on this show and they are not going to appear in Karen's Café at the price of one song per cup anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the start of greatness. There's some good musical guests on the show.
1: Oh, so good.
0: Oh, we get Keith and Jules' wedding. That's a good one.
1: Mm-hmm. We also
0: get Brooke and Lucas. They have a thing forming again.
1: And that's the season that really made me fall in love with Brooke and Lucas. Not so much season one, but season two is definitely the season yeah. where I was like, Brooke and Lucas.
0: Even I bought, bought into it. Because then Peyton and Jake are together.
1: And then Peyton and Jake. There's so much good in season two. I can't handle it. I really can't. Like, it's
0: so, oh my gosh. This is like, like you said, it's peak One Tree Hill. I feel like it's really what One Tree Hill is. It's like it's true form. I feel like season one is just like a precursor. And then we got season two, which is like truly what it is.
1: Yep, season one is a relatable teen drama, and then season two just goes off the rails into soap opera Basically. territory, and I love it. It works. But th- there's something about the characters that just feel real and relatable, too, though, in a way. Even though, like, yeah. how how stupid some of the plot lines can be, it's just so good. It really is.
0: One other weird thing about <laughs> season two, which... So, in 122, I saw that Haley when she was looking at her cell phone... And that was that weird scene with Dan. There's yeah. a timestamp and it says or a date date stamp. <laughs> April seventh, two thousand four. I'm like, okay, we're in season one, it's April, basketball just ended. That makes sense. That's usually when basketball is ending, I believe. Sure.
1: I have no idea what basketball I mean, season ends that, or begins.
0: That's like starts in the winter and it ends in the spring. So that makes sense. Okay. So season two is April through June? Maybe, do because they're in the South, so they usually end in May. Season two is two months.
1: I have the perfect answer for this, and it is that the writers did not know they were going to split the seasons in half, or split the school years in half, until much later on.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: That's not a concrete answer. That's literally what I think they did, because I don't think they had any idea that, like, because they never actually say during season one that, like, they're in their junior year, do they?
0: Actually, I don't know. I don't know if they mention it. I th- I think they must have.
1: I really don't think they did, because I, I was, like, looking out. I mean, I could have missed it, don't get me wrong, but I was looking out for it. I'm like, do they ever say that they're juniors? I mean, we see them driving. So, I mean, we can make the assumptions that, like, okay, they're at least 17.
0: Yeah, so I think we, I don't think it's stated, but I believe they're 17. So they would have to be juniors. Yeah,
1: but I don't think they they knew what they were doing. Honestly, <laughs> that's what it came down they to. Really done
0: it, but that's a really short span of time, and a lot happens in that time span of time. <laughs> so I have no idea. That's crazy. That's why you can't share dates and and seasons and stuff because like early on, because I feel like writers and TV shows they never really know where they're going
1: on like what oh, totally. what the time frame is really gonna be. I know in season three they had moments like that though where you actually like look at people's cell phones and it actually has a date that's consistent with the um consistent with what it should be. And I remember thinking like, oh they know what they're doing here, that's cool. And then there's sometimes when they fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. this is one of the examples where I feel like they had no idea what they were doing. And you know what? That's that's cool.
0: <laughs> I know. I ugh, I don't like the inconsistency. I really don't, <laughs> but it is you. what it is. You just kind of have to, once again, suspend disbelief.
1: Yep. Yeah, the the writers, directors, whoever, like, really fucked up on that part. But one, then, that the writers, directors, and everybody did not fuck up on is the one of the final scenes in the show's series finale, where we see Haley give pretty much the exact same speech as Karen. I love it. I love that moment. When I saw that in the
0: finale, it was just like, <gasps> beautiful, like. It just wraps things up in a bow so neatly.
1: I love that Haley says that. It's so good. She say she said it to Jamie. She says, "It's a magical place, son. I've seen that magic in your eyes for the last nine years. There is only one Tree Hill, Jamie Scott, and it's your home." Oh, I love a
0: f- full circle moment. It's amazing.
1: I just got chills just saying that. I'm like, oh my god.
0: <laughs> it's just so lovely, and it's perfect that Haley said it. To jamie and just i don't know oh
1: yes i'm a big sucker for full circle moments like that we're like oh i see what she did there that was cool yep <laughs> there's
0: so much jeremy there's so
1: much to look forward to <laughs> i know but unfortunately we are gonna have to wait a little while until we talk about season two as much as that pains me but we'll be back in your ears very soon and before we launch with Season 2, we'll be launching our Season 1 recap episode. And once again, please send us emails, alwaysothpod at gmail.com. And tell us your thoughts about the season. Give us some questions. We would love to hear from you. once again, the deadline to send in those emails is Tuesday, March 23rd. We'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing you.